All right. All right. We're, we're back, back here today with the Home Field Advantage podcast. This is Big Mo, and I think I have Action Jackson with me here on the line. You there, Action? I'm here, bud. Uh, it's another great week. Great week. I, I detect a lot of sarcasm in your voice, and uh, I, I definitely feel it, too. I, I think you mentioned before we got started here that this is the the RIP episode for the Arkansas Razorback football season, where we where we come to eulogize uh, what may have been and what we expect it to be a quite a good season that has turned into well a a season in which we not might not make a bowl and we might have a a different head coach going into next year. You know what? I don't. I don't want to edge the tombstone already, but it's uh, it's not looking very good right now, folks. Uh, I'm going to do everybody a favor. It's going to be a real, real quick synopsis today. I got a player of the game and Andrew Armstrong for his touchdown catch. I've got a defensive player of the game and Snacks Johnson for his interception return for a touchdown catch. And uh, the play of the game would would actually be that pick six to start the third quarter, but. The, the thing is, uh, the, the the defense, once again, uh, they seem to be the only one making any adjustments because A&M scores no touchdown in the second half. Even as a classless team trying to score on the last play of the game, we took them out of the end zone. And, uh, you know, a, a, an 80-yard pop return for a touchdown, a pick six, gets them in the end zone and, and, and is enough to, to beat uh, a, a very non-existent, Razorback offense on Saturday, and uh, they they've got a. I mean, we, we've got seven games left, and uh, it's not it's not looking pretty from where I sit. It's not looking pretty for sure. But let's start with you mentioned that you did see some positives from this game. Let's start with those because I think the negatives are probably going to take up the majority of our analysis. Now we don't want to dwell too much on this game because it, it was. Overall, very poor and disheartening. But let's start with the positives. Well, it's definitely, you know, what I would call a footnote game. You just want to kind of glance at it and move on because, uh, I mean, uh, the, the positives, uh, there's no no penalties. How about no penalties in a game? We, we had no penalties. Yes, absolutely. Um, That's the one I was thinking of, too. That's wonderful. Definitely positive. Uh, like I said, the, the defense in the second half, uh, they went and made some adjustments somewhere uh, because, like I said, no defensive touchdown was given up, and they missed a field goal. So, uh, you know, or, or I think they might have made a field goal in the second half. But, uh, you know, a, a, a pick six and, and an 80-yard punt return, which I, I give Max Fletcher credit. He was just kicking the cover off the ball. He just happened to outkick his coverage one time on on a sixty two yard punt, so I can't I can't be too upset with the the punter on that. The punt coverage wasn't great, but you, you take you can't take scores off the bo- uh, board, Big Mo. We know that you can't take scores off the board, but you take those two touchdowns away, we win twenty two to twenty. That's absolutely that's simple. That's plain that's plain and simple logic, math. You yeah, take those two touchdowns away, we win twenty two to twenty. So yeah. for me to just say, oh, well, the season's done, the season's over with, no, I, I can't really say that because KJ and these receivers should be salivating to play this Ole Miss team this weekend. And I'm going to tell you why. You know, not to look too far ahead, but I'm not going to dwell on this game because this Ole Miss game is a game that we can win. 
because Ole Miss is not going to play defense. If our defense gets two or three stops this weekend, we're going to beat Ole Miss because Ole Miss defense is optional. They just gave up 49 points to LSU. And, yes, that's LSU's offense. We know that. But Ole Miss has been giving up points all year. And they're going to give up points Saturday. The only problem is, are we going to score enough points to win the game? That's my question. I don't know if we can score enough points this weekend. Yeah, I, I don't know if we can either. But but you're right. There were positives from that game. The no penalties is a great starting point. That's a great starting point. And also, like you said, no defensive touchdowns get given up in the second half. Now, I do feel like one of the reasons why there was none is I think Texas A&M got conservative. They were a lot more conservative, but we made adjustments too. We made adjustments to to uh, – to what Texas a and was doing. But the first half, the defense was poor. We got shredded, shredded. They moved the ball at will on us in the first half. And we were frankly lucky that the score was only 17 points, given what they did to us on the offensive side of the ball with Bobby Petrino calling the plays. But you're right, coming out of the second half, we – Apparently, our defensive coordinators are making adjustments because we came out, they gave us a formation, and Snacks basically guessed the play. That's how he gets that interception, is it's a little screen pass that they've been hitting us on and moving the ball. Basically, his his the, the quarterback's um, his, uh, his dump-off pass, his, his check down, if you will. And... That was the first play of the game. Snacks guessed it, stepped in front of it, and I'm sure one of the coaches probably told him that. Said, "Look, when next time they do that little side pass, just 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 run that. Just just step right in front of it and pick that thing off." And that's what he did. It was it was beautiful. Took it to the house. I didn't have the I didn't have the luxury of watching the game, but listening, it, it was so it happened so fast that he's halfway to the end zone before. Chuck Barrett catches up and says, that's a pick six. That's going to be a touchdown. First play of oh, the yeah. quarter. Yeah. And, but he was a little bit behind because it happened so quickly. And yeah. and I was like, man, we were right back in this game. And, you know, it, it, it then things went south. But it wasn't because of the defense. It was, yeah. you know, just once again, going to AT&T Stadium, there's always some crazy play that happens to change the outcome of that game. And in this one, it was it was it was KJ on a tip ball, a big six. Yeah, well, changed the course of the rest of the game. Other than the fourth and one, we're not going to talk about the fourth and one because yeah. the fourth and one call in the first half to me was dumb. You're down ten to six. Punt the ball. It's not well, rocket science. Well, no, I I I I, I, view, I looked at that. I have to disagree with you on that, Jackson. Bad play I do. Call. Okay, okay. Give me- yeah, I, I disagree with the play call, but I think because originally he ran out the punt unit. He ran out the – Pittman ran out the punt unit, but then he called a timeout and he reconsidered it. And I think the re- he reconsidered it because he realized his job might be on the line. That's kind of how I felt was it's fourth – you know, we got that penalty. It went from fourth and six to fourth and one. They jumped off sides. And, yes, we are at our 40. But given how our defense was playing football at that point, given how they were just basically moving the ball on us at will, yes, there's three minutes left in the half. But I don't think us putting them 
40, 50 yards back, they still have plenty of time to drive the length of the field. You know, and so I, 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 I but and on the other hand, if you get that first down, you've got a chance to drive down there and get some points. So, and but also it's a momentum thing. At that point in the game, Arkansas needed some momentum. We needed some momentum. So I, I agree with, with going for it on fourth down. And, we, of course, we handed it off to Rocket out of the shotgun, and he did not get it. I, I, the play call was, was, not, it was not good. On that type of play, you're going to have to do something that the other team's not expecting. And I don't feel like giving the ball to Rocket without a fullback paving the way basically basically just a a naked uh, draw play is what that was that was not the right call especially after a timeout right and and no chance for it to work and and somebody somebody has got to get coach Pittman and and the crew up there get them a copy of what the philadelphia eagles do on fourth and one because nobody in the nfl can stop what they call the tush push nobody can stop it (laughs) Last year, uh-huh. they were 28 out of 31. They were 6-for-6 six six in the Super Bowl, the biggest game that any player is ever going to play in. They were 6-for-6 six six against the Kansas City Chiefs running that play on fourth and one or less. It's unstoppable. You, you cannot stop it. If you go, if you yeah. seen the Ole Miss game, Ole Miss did the well, same play. LSU had 11 I, players in the box, and Ole Miss it, got a first down. Yeah, but the, the difference is, Jackson, Ole Miss and Philadelphia have offensive lines. Well, and that's, and that's, that's the another thing. That, and and that, to, to me, and you can answer this question probably in, in, in one word. If I told you before the season or before Sam Pittman's hired that in his fourth year we're going to have so many struggles on the offensive line, would you have said yes or no to that? I would say absolutely no, and you got to be out of your mind. We we may we may be terrible at every position, but our offensive line is going to be a shining beacon on the hill. That's so, why we're told. And, this is, and so now this is what happens after game five. They, they're five. We're five weeks into this mess. Now they're making all these changes on the offensive line. They're changing the center. They're changing the guard. They're actually putting. They should have been at guard the whole time, and Sam Pittman has been right beside the offensive line all week during practice, right where he should be. So yeah. I think he's realized that, hey, if we're going to turn this season around, it's got to begin with the offensive line. Because guess what, folks? As I've said all along, our defense is better. Bar well, our defense hey, is better hey, our defense, defense. The, like I said, the first half – that, that was we did not play good defense. The de- no, but yes, we're making adjustments, but yeah. we're still not a good defense. We're definitely, hey, we're not definitely not a good defense. And I was worried. Here, there's two plays that that show me. I think the word that keeps coming up in the post game press conferences is physicality, and I really felt it in the A and M game. A and M won that game, and they looked like the better team because they were more physical. But there's two plays where I saw it's not just our offense. It's our defense that isn't physical enough. And and this was, uh, number one, there was a run in the first half where Jaheim Thomas stepped up into the gap, met the Texas A&M running back. They both collided. And Jaheim Thomas was the one who, who, got, who basically got hurt. He, he was the one rolling on the ground after the collision. The running back got right back up, went back to the huddle. But Jaheim had to be helped off the field. Yeah. Had to be helped yeah. off the field. Uh, 
because uh, uh, because of that collision. That can't the, the the linebacker can't be getting hurt by the running back, and the cat can't be getting hurt by the mouse. Oh. You know, you, you've got you've got to be the the predator, not the prey. And there's oh. another play out there where their quarterback ran it. He was running, uh, uh, basically scrambling, and uh, Dwight McLaughlin stepped up and made a good tackle on the quarterback. Same thing. Dwight McLaughlin was the one who ran on the ground, and obviously he's not the biggest guy. He is a cornerback. That's true. But still, a cornerback against a, a, a quarterback, the quarterback's got to be the one taking the taking the punishment on that play. And, and Dwight McLaughlin is not your typical – he's not your typical uh, – you know, uh, I don't know what to say Deion Sanders, but uh, he's not your, your your toothpick cornerback who's basically just in there for speed. He's a guy who delivers hits and can get sacks. Right. You know? And, and you know, and, and one thing is that really, it really frustrated me early in the game is, you know, KJ lost his safety valve. You know, what, what stopped? Oh, yeah. Let's what talk stops, about Luke Haas. Yeah. What stops, what stops pressure? You know, they're, they're obviously getting pressure on KJ, but what takes that pressure away is that safety valve, that tight end who he's found in Luke Haas, who, who had one catch for 14 yards, he gets hurt, and by everything we're hearing, he's out for the year. So not only did KJ lose him for the game, he's possibly lost him for the season. So you're talking about a guy that, in most people's books, was going to be a freshman All-American tight end, and now he's now he's lost for a year because going into that game, he led the, he led the country as a freshman tight end and receiving yards for freshman tight end. So he's going to be a freshman All American tight end, and now he's gone. So the rest of the game, what does Texas A and M do? Oh, well we know you're going to make one quick read, and then you're going to go to that second one. By the time you get to that second one, we're going to be in your face. Seven sacks and fifteen tackles for losses later. Arkansas is looking at their third straight loss of the year. And so they, they have to figure out a way to get that ball out of KJ's hands quicker. I don't I don't know what it's going to take. I don't know if there is a solution right now. But I know that we have seven more games of misery, or we have seven more games to get better. And well, so now uh-uh. we're going to find out if we got anybody on this team yeah. that's got any heart. We, 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 but, we said this last season. we got to find somebody on this team that's got some heart. And right now well, I don't see it anywhere. I don't yeah, we don't – We exactly. We don't have – I didn't see the heart – and I didn't see the toughness. I, Luke Haas, I mean, obviously it's, it's an injury, but, you know, you got to have players out there who are able to, you know, he basically fell on his shoulder. You got to have people who can fall on their shoulder and, and not, you know, and it's nothing against Luke. I mean, some people are just made that way. But, again, that's a, that's a you're not going to be able to move the ball when people can't take a hit. I mean, we're not going to be able to, to win games. And hate to bring up another one, but we had John Morgan, of course, got stretchered off. Defensive lineman. And it was a very scary thing, but it turns out, well, first of all, uh, the broadcast uh, described it as light contact. Light contact that hit him. Again, I'm not saying that, you know, John's uh, he's not a tough guy, but – you know, he got stretchered off. It looked terrible, but uh, the report is that he's okay now. And he's actually they're they're borderline expecting him to play again against Ole Miss this week. But he, when he, when he could be back, yeah. Yeah, when you look at the field, it looks like the the guy almost died, or he's going to be paralyzed. That's because what I, that was my thought exactly. Uh, I, please don't I, let this guy die on the field. I'm, I'm not saying all this all all these problems are due to a lack of heart or a lack of toughness. 
but or, or lack of well, I, it's not due to a lack of heart. But there's some people just not fit. Some people are injury prone. Some people are just not physically tough. They 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 hurt more than others. They don't have pain tolerance, and they they just they get hurt easily. And we have a lot of those type players. I feel like on our team. As for the heart part of it, I think we do have heart, but we don't have a lot of motivation. I'm not yep. seeing motivated players. I'm not seeing players fired up and 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 hungry to go out there and and, and play ball. And I have to point to one of them. I hate to say it. Maybe he's got heart inside, and I know he's playing hard. But but KJ is just he doesn't give off the most motivated vibes when he's out there. He kind of you know. Goes through, looks like he's going through the motions competently, but you don't see him jumping up and down, slapping people on the back, running up to the huddle, doing things that somebody who's amped up does. You don't see that from KJ. Well, I heard his uh, I heard his leadership questioned uh, over the radio yesterday if he's really a leader on the team, and and sometimes your your leaders, you know, they don't lead with their emotions or, or be outspoken, but you got to have somebody on this team that's going to get in somebody's face and be like, look. Not only can we play better than this, we're fixing to play better than this, and it starts right now. And, you know, and, and regardless of what happens Saturday, I, 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 I want somebody to really just fire off the ball and, and put somebody in the dirt Saturday. I mean, well, win by 40, I, I mean, lose <laughs> by 40 or, or, or win by three. I want I want our team to have some physicality about them and, some, and like you said, some toughness. And I'm not, well, I'm not seeing it, and I'm not hearing it. I'm, I'm not, not either, and that's the thing. I'm not hearing it in press conferences from the players. I exactly. don't think there's anybody mad. Exactly. That the season's going the way it is. And, and I'll be honest with you. Yeah, I'm if not. If the right person gets mad, guess what? Hey. Sam Pittman's not going to have a job. If Hunter Yurichek gets mad before the season's over, guess what, folks? Sam's not going to make the season. So, uh, and, and, and I, I, I think he'll make the season. I would hate that for him because I, I'm a Sam Pittman fan. I'm a supporter. I love the guy. I think he's good for <laughs> Arkansas football. And, and I think that he is the guy that can turn it around. That way when he hands the reins over to whoever the next coach is, we know the cover's not going to be buried like it was when Sam got here. If, yeah. if we think back to where we were to where we are now, we're still in a lot better shape. But the problem is we, we can't settle for mediocrity. Yeah. And – and, and that's what we are right now. We're a mediocre yeah. program in, in football. I mean, let me yeah. say that. In football, we're mediocre. Which, yeah. by the way, the red-white scrimmage game for all you basketball fans is is tonight in, in Barnhill Arena. But I, I'm just saying, you know, for all everybody looking forward, there is basketball on the horizon. There is baseball on the horizon. But I'm not ready to give up on this football team yet because we're playing an Ole Miss team that is a team that historically you can throw out the record books. It doesn't matter that they won – Against LSU, it doesn't matter that they hang in there for a half against Alabama. They're playing the Razorbacks this weekend. We're going to go over there. We're going to do what we do. And I think we can come out with a win. Does that make me crazy? <laughs> probably. It probably makes me crazy. But I know I know the recipe is there because, for one, if KJ's going to get fired up to play anybody, he's going to get fired up to play this team from his home state, the team that didn't recruit him, that didn't, that didn't offer him a scholarship. Two years ago, if you remember, we went over there and we were a two-point conversion failure from beating them. We lost 52 to 51. That's the kind of game we're going to have to have Saturday in order for my prediction Mm -hmm. to win this game 49 to 45. We're going to have to have that kind of game. 
we're going to have to have that kind of game, 49 to 45. That's my prediction. I've been wrong all year. I might as well keep being wrong. But I'm going to continue pouring for this team. Is it a rest in peace podcast? Yes, it is. Because the season is theoretically over right now. It's up to the players to decide how it ends. Because in everybody else's eyes, we're done. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I love your optimism. And on the optimistic side, let's not forget, this was a team that almost beat LSU in Baton Rouge just just 10 days ago. Okay? Exactly. exactly. Almost so. So don't tell me that this team can't go out there and play football because we saw a – and that's the thing. We took a step back. But – we, we almost could have just as easily beaten LSU and, and frankly probably should have with better coaching. We should have. We should have beaten LSU in Baton Rouge because LSU wasn't prepared for us. And Ole Miss, I, I'm assuming Ole Miss is going to be taking us lightly, although Ole Miss does always like to, you know, they always play hard against us because we're, you know, kind of rivals for the past decade or so at the bottom of the – bottom of the league fighting to see who's not going to be last place. They're going to be overlooking us. Like, I mean, they're, they're going to come at this game overconfident. Their fans just got them a big fine for storming the field against LSU, you know, and they're, they're going to come in with all this hype. It, it's not about how Ole Miss responds. This is about how Arkansas responds. How are we going to respond to, to a, a game we should have won in Baton Rouge and one that we were just flat outplayed in against Texas A&M? We were outplayed in that game. You know, and, and when I think about it, you know, we, we were we were outclassed. I'm not going to say we're out. We, we, we were outcoached. I'll say that we were outcoached. But we were outclassed because on their defense, this is why their defense was so good. Let me give you the recipe. Eight of their starters on defense were top 100 players coming out of high school. There's not wow. very many top 100 players on all, Arkansas's whole offense. But you're playing against a defense that these guys were all, eight yeah. of them were ranked in the top 100 coming there you out go. of high school. These aren't mamsy pansies over there. These are guys that are picked when they're coming out of high school. They're going to the NFL. So we yeah. were playing at the NFL freaking defense, and that's what happened to us. Seven sacks, 15 tackles for loss. We had 51 yards in the second half. 48 of those came on one play. You can't win with offense like that. No, that's being completely dominated. You, you completely can't dominated. And that's what happened. But I was proud of the defense because the defense didn't allow us to get blown out. Because A&M could have hung 60 on us, but the defense stiffened up, and what do we give up? An ADR pump return and a pick six that was scored by their defense. Yeah. So in the second half, the defense played well. They made their adjustments. What we got to do Saturday, we got to come out and we got to play. We still haven't seen it all year. We have to play a four-quarter game Saturday. We have to. We can't play no. a half. We can't play three quarters. We have to play all four quarters. We can't roll out there and say, oh, well, we're just going to take this drive off. We can't take another drive off the rest of the year, including Florida International. We cannot take another playoff mm-hmm. if we expect to turn the season around, which we can do because you said it earlier this year. We play our best football in the month of October. Well, guess what month it is, folks? It's October. It is. You're right, Sep. We have turned the page from September, and that's why the um, – that's why the name of this podcast, this episode, is "Wake Me Up When September Ends." A uh, <laughs> song by Green Day from back in the it. day, back in our yeah, heyday. Might as well cancel that Green Day, uh, Green Day smash hit in there too, because that, uh, <laughs> that, uh, you know, uh, the, the innocent will never last. You know, I mean, 
you know, so, and, and, but we, we have to take October by storm. And how do we do it? How do you stop a, a losing streak? Oh, well, let me give you something simple. You win a game. Is it this week? Do you knock off the, the, the losing streak against Alabama next week? Where does it end? I know you're, I know you're going to beat Mississippi State when you go back home. I know that's going to happen. If we can't beat Auburn, we need a new coach. If we can't go to the swamp and be competitive, yeah, we need to do some changes. I'm just saying that that's how you we, stop a losing streak. You we, win. We, yes, we we got to be more competitive. Well, it's easier said than done. I mean, you're, you're playing. I can guarantee you Arkansas will not be favored in a game until we get to Mississippi State, okay? No, that's, that's absolutely true. But if you if you go to Ole Miss and you win by a field goal by Cam Little, which, by the way, i got to give Cam Little his props. He's oh, yeah. the first kicker in Arkansas history to kick multiple 50-yard-plus field goals in the same game. Kudos to Cam Little. He's an hey, and there's another bright spot. We, how did we He's miss Cam Little? How does he get his redemption from missing last year's field goal to beat A&M? Oh, he only hits from 52, 50, and 25. He goes three for three from field goal, and he makes his extra points. So that's how he does it. And Perfect. So if we go over there and win by a field goal or we win by one, or, or we somehow figure out how to get the offense and defense click on the same game at, at, at the same time, because that can't happen. It can't happen. Because there, if you watch college football this year as much as I have, every week is different. Every week is different. If, think about the NFL for a second, Big Mo. Miami goes out and beats Denver 70 to 20. And they come back the next week and they barely score 20 points and lose. They lose. So every Dolphins lost, but, but what, what happened with the Broncos? The Broncos, Broncos are down 21 and they came back and won a football game. So, <laughs> That's right. You know, so this, this, is, it, this is what I'm trying to say. Every week's different. Can we go to Ole Miss and get blown out? Absolutely we can. If our defense doesn't show up, we will get blown out because guess what? Ole Miss's offense is just as for real as LSU, if not more for real. But defense is optional for Ole Miss. I think it comes down to three stops. If we get three stops Saturday, if our offense is clicking, we beat Ole Miss. But we're going to need three stops in that game. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to need you see, three, three stops. That's giving our offense a lot, a lot of, credit. of credit. Probably more Probably than they deserve after that. that. 51 yard, yard second, second half, half second, 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 second half. Okay, three turnovers. Let's not put it on the offense. Let's just get three turnovers with the defense. Return one of them for a touchdown. It wouldn't hurt my feelings if Isaiah Zatania takes another punt to the house. You know? All right. Well, there you have it, folks. We, the only person in the state of Arkansas who is still enthusiastic about Razorback football after the last three weeks, we have him right here. Action Jackson, pay, pay, we got we got one one ticket for admission. We'll get you a sneak peek behind the curtain at the man himself, who still has the fire in his belly for some Razorback football. You just you can't keep him down. And Action, I, I gotta tip my hat to you, but if we had somebody like you in that locker room, I would feel good about this coming weekend. But the problem is we have Sam Pittman. And I'm not saying Sam's a bad coach. I like Sam. I'm not even calling for Sam to leave right now. But right. Sam is a coach. He's effective as a coach for a team that has prepared itself, has talent, 
and is a good team. He's a coach. He, he does best when he's coaching a co- quietly confident team because that's his personality is quiet confidence. Yeah. And that's the type of team he needs to be an effective coach. Right, right. now, we we have a bad team. I mean, we have, a, you know, I, I don't think there's any other way to say that. When you don't have a, a line on both sides of the ball, I don't care what you've got after that. That's like not having a house. That's like having a, a beautiful house but having no foundation. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you built the house great from the uh, from the hardwood up. If there's if there's no slab underneath that house to keep it from falling down, it's going to fall down. And, and that's and what we have a, right now. And you make a good point, and I, I, I appreciate the kind words about the fire that's in my belly. But you got to remember. I stood by the team through the Chad Morris years. Uh, oh, that's I mean, true. Way worse than this, and, and I was still thinking, okay, we can turn this around, we can turn this around, until I realized that we couldn't. And then we brought in Sam, and I'm not ready to give up on Sam yet either, but to, to throw out another couple points about this old Miss game before we move on, there, there, you, you have to figure out a way to get pressure on the quarterback. We had no sacks and two quarterback hurries Saturday. You, you can't have that. Uh, and expect to, to win in the SEC or to, to expect to even compete. So there, there's it's a double-sided coin. We either we have to get pressure on Jackson Dart this weekend or we have to not let him beat us with his legs. One of the two. If, if you're not going to be able to get to him and sack him, don't let him run for 30 or 40 yards on him. Get him on the ground as often as you can and, and make Ole Miss work for some things. Even against LSU, they didn't have to work for hardly anything in that game. They were moving the ball up and down the field against LSU's defense. But I think I still think that there's some players on this Arkansas defense that, that can make those stops that we need. We just need them in bunches and not just for a half. We have to play physical defense this weekend to give us a chance to win this game because we don't know what the offense is going to do. We don't know if the offense is going to score 56 points or we don't know if they're going to score – we don't know what they're going to do, but the defense—it it, it comes down for me this week—is it, the defense. How well the Arkansas defense plays is going to determine the, out, the outcome of this game. Because I do think that the offense is still good enough to get the job done if they can give KJ enough time to get the ball to these really talented receivers. And we have to see some more of Isaiah Zetania on the field. He's just got to be on the field, and and you know they haven't played him for whatever reason, but. Uh, a more healthy rocket this weekend. There's a lot. Of, there's a lot of good aspects that we still have on this team, and that's one reason I'm not ready to give up on them. Well, and do we like us like you? You make good points that there are a lot of good aspects, but and I, um, the defense is the best starting place because yes, they showed improvement, and I think they're going to watch this tape of the first half where they got dissected by Texas A&M in this last game in the first half and and they're going to say hey look this is what we need to fix we can't let this happen again because there's going to be some people turning their heads away from the screen when they watch that film that was way too easy in the first half for texas a&m we didn't give up a lot of points but we gave up a ton of yardage especially third and 10 third and 11 letting them have first downs texas a&m even dropped several balls we they could have given up more but it was not pretty, especially in the secondary. So I do think there's going to be some improvement on defense. Problem is, we got to we got to score the ball, and and that's what I'm most worried about now. Yes, Ole Miss, like you said, our defense is optional, 
but you don't have to play much defense to get to a team when you can't protect the quarterback. And that's one of the things I was most disappointed with in the Texas A&M game was the lack of even trying to pass the ball. I felt like at some point in the game, even in the first half, don't forget our first red zone opportunity in the first half, we had first and, and 10 from the eleven essentially first and goal from the 11 and what did we do jackson we ran we did not throw the ball a single time we, we had three running plays and i think it's a certain point dan eno said that i'm not even going to want to call a pass play anymore because i don't think kj can go back and and get the pass off because the line's so bad yeah we threw one pass in the second quarter uh that's that's not gonna and, it, you know, at one time in the game, uh, I think KJ was like two of five for zero yards. Uh, I mean, uh, so, I mean, it just wasn't a good offensive performance. I mean, it wasn't. I'm just wondering, I, and then I think back of how, how much did that LSU game take out of them? You know, I mean. That's it, true. That's I true. I wonder that. But, uh, you know, like I said, you know, we weren't we weren't supposed to, supposed to spend a lot of time on that, on that past game. But, you know, it. We, we weren't, but, but moving forward, let me just say that the, the main problem that I'm facing as an Arkansas fan, and why I don't have the same optimism as you, as you know, I'm the, I'm the pessimistic side of this podcast, but the reason why I'm pouring some, some ice-cold water on any idea that we're going to beat Ole Miss, and, and again, I do think there's a chance we will beat them, but the, but the main challenge we're facing is Sam Pittman, I don't think he's capable right now of motivating that team to pull off an upset. That's one great thing that we had back when we had Houston Nutt. And you know when I'm talking up Houston Nutt on this podcast, things have gone bad. Because I'm not a fan of Houston Nutt. Houston Nutt was absolutely terrible at play calling and absolutely terrible at strategically preparing a team. Never could win a big game. But I'll tell you one thing Houston Nutt could do. He could motivate you to play football. He was he was basically a used car salesman of a coach. And he could get you excited about driving off with a jalopy with the with the hubcaps falling off as you leave the parking lot because he got you fired up to play. He was a cheerleader in a coach's outfit. And that's what we need when we're not a good team. That's what we need. But Sam Pittman, he's at the press conference and Sam Pittman is like a bad poker player. He knows he's gotta win this hand and he's got two seven offsuit. And everybody knows it. Everybody knows it. He's not even bluffing that, that there's some things that we're going to fix. Or, or, you know, he needs to go up and say, hey, we, we figured out a few things. Watch us next week. You just watch us next week, you know. And th- this guy, no, Sam's sitting there saying, man, we're not a physical team. And it's true. But you've got at some point, you've got to say, look, we've got to just fake it until we make it. You know, make the boys believe that they're going to come out and do better and, and, and give them even some, even at this point, even bulletin board material for the other team would help us because it's something to fight for, something to play for, something to, 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 to you know, take pride in. Uh, we, we need some of that. But I will tell you this, one of the reasons that I'm optimistic on the, opti- on the optimistic side, again, I, I don't think we're going to win. Um, I, I hope we play a good game. I, I, again, until I see it, I'm not going to believe in it. But I will say this. We're finding out what doesn't work. 
I, I, I really believe we're not going to go out and try to do what we can do against Texas A&M. And just doing that is going to help us a lot because what we did against Texas A&M, that's waving the white flag. That's waving. That's not even trying. I agree. And, and I just hope that, you know, going forward that, that we haven't totally let go of the rope uh, because uh, it, it, it is bad right now, but it could be, I mean, it could even get worse. And uh, I, I just, I mean, I, I just, I want to see them play a four-quarter game, win, lose, or draw. I, I want to see them play for four quarters, and I haven't seen it all year. Yeah, I haven't either. I haven't either. So, uh, but, but. Hey, it could be coming, but um, uh, again, um, um, basically the one wild card is: can we find a reason to play? Because I, when I looked at you know how I feel about it, I'm not fired up about this game. If we beat Ole Miss, it's kind of like, yeah, that's great, but man, you know why couldn't have we had done that against Texas A&M and BYU? And and you know, we, are we just squeaking by to get to a bowl? You know, you got to look for it. Now, I'm more optimistic about the Alabama game because Alabama, you can say, you know what? We went three and, and nine this year, but this was the best year that we've had in two decades. And you know why? Because we beat the Alabama Crimson Tide in Tuscaloosa. That one game will not just, it will not just make the whole season, it will make them legends, heroes. Because they will be the only class of football players in Arkansas who can say they beat the Alabama Crimson Tide and especially say they beat them in Tuscaloosa with Nick Saban. That's why I'm, I'm a lot more excited about the Alabama game. At the same time, I know Ole Miss has a big head right now, and they're looking past us. So Ole Miss, they're vulnerable. We could get them. But we need a coach to fire those boys up. I believe we can, and... and- I mean, I'm not even saying a coach right now. We we need we need a player to step up in that locker room and and and, and become I mean become become the Rudy in the locker room. You know, yes, that, that motivates everybody. You know? Yes, and, uh, and, and the unsung walk-on hero. That's what we need. You know, and we're, scrappy. Where's, where's the where's the Brandon Burlesworth on this team? Yes, you know, where's where's he at? Is it Hudson Clark? A walk-on? Yeah. Could yeah. He, as many shots as Hudson Clark takes, I think Hudson Clark has had a well of a season so far. Uh, almost my defensive player of the game uh, over the weekend just because he was given effort and he was in on play. Uh, but anyway, so, so move. I'll move. be honest with you, Jackson. In the, in the age of the NIL and the transfers, I think we're seeing less and less team spirit and just giving it all for your team and more of this being kind of a transactional game and a stepping stone to the next and level. I, Unfortunately. I can't, I can't disagree with that. And, and, you know, that's a, that's a whole probably series of, of, of podcast uh, episodes there because that's a, that's a, a, a subject that I don't think will ever run dry for it. But, uh, all any, right, well, any, hey, let's any. switch on over to the uh, to rehash some of the other action. Uh, the University of Kentucky laid it on the Florida Gators. Mama. And like some people have said, Florida looks like a different team outside of the swamp, which yep. is not, may not be good for us because we play them in the swamp this year. But Kentucky 33, Florida 14, first time I think in – 
several decades that Kentucky has beaten Florida three years in a row. I think the first time since the 40s, they said. I don't know which roller coaster ride you'd rather be on right now, the the, the Arkansas Razorback ride or the, the Florida Gator ride, because, I mean, one week they're beating Tennessee, and then the next week they're getting their heads knocked in by Kentucky. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, but that, like I said, uh, that makes my point earlier. It's a different week. Yeah. You, know, you turn the page and you got to play a different opponent. And, you know, we'll, we're going to see what happens. Uh, yeah, that was, that was a big win for Kentucky. Just to think that Kentucky and Missouri are two of the undefeated teams in our league right now is uh, yeah. but, but it's just, you know, it's really, really something. Yeah, but as a side note, how does Kentucky get is 5-0? and They're in the SEC, fan base riding high. They're number 20 in the country. They, they came off a strong bowl, you know, past couple years. Uh, always uh, not just going to a bowl, but in the conversation for New Year's Bowl. How did they get a program that's so much better than Arkansas? What happened to us that Arkansas has fallen behind Kentucky in the pecking order in football? It's They're a basketball school, Jackson, and, and they'll always be a basketball school. I mean, I guess, can't I guess be, to, you know, to make a little side point, I guess, I guess because they fell behind us in the pecking order on the basketball court hey. is, we had to we had to return the favor on the football field. Well, that's true. And then then, then now that's yeah, Kentucky's asking them the same thing in basketball too. You're right about that. Um, but I, what I hope happens, Jackson, I'm looking forward to Texas and Oklahoma joining us because we got to shake up the schedule. LSU, Alabama, Texas A&M, Ole Miss. These teams are too tough. Too tough. Give us a Vanderbilt. Give us a South Carolina. Give us a Kentucky, okay? And even even though Kentucky is a tough tougher team on paper and higher ranked than say uh, Texas A and M, I just want new faces, okay? Yeah. I want yeah. new blood, new faces. Let somebody else play Texas A and M, who's unranked and supposed to be beat, and let them try to beat them. Because I'm yeah. sick of trying. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. I mean, right now in the in the way the cycle's been, we play Vanderbilt like. Once a day, uh, once every two decades or something, I mean, it's crazy. You know, we very, very rarely see Vanderbilt on the schedule. Uh, yeah, give so. us Vanderbilt. We we need we need Vanderbilt, South Carolina. Those are the teams we need. But I'll tell you, the game this past week that I was watching on the edge of my seat, and this was the uh, best. I think the best game of the week: Georgia against Auburn. And in uh, the Auburn Tigers, they'd actually beaten. The number when the number one team came to their house in the past seven years, George, Auburn had won the past three. They were trying to make it four, and let me tell you, they had Georgia on the ropes and gave them all they wanted. Twenty now Georgia ended up pulling it out by a touchdown, twenty-seven to twenty. But Auburn fought like I was hoping Texas. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, like I was hoping Arkansas would fight this year. Yeah. That's how Auburn fought. I, and it was it was Auburn unranked. I basically wrote them off at the beginning of the season saying, man, even their coach is kind of bailing on them. Right. Auburn, that was a team that wanted that game, and they were laying it all on the line. The fans were into it. I believe they were going to pull off the upset for about three and a half quarters. Yeah, I, I did too. You know, one of the oldest, you know, one of the oldest college football rivalries out there. Uh, and they, they almost did it. But, yeah, you know, they, 
late they interception. Let, they, let, they let one man get to him, and that guy's name is Brock Bowers, who's one of the <laughs> better players in college football. Yep. He makes, he makes the play to end the to, to put on the rest. And uh, in, a, in, a, in a heck of a game, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I think it was the game of the weekend. Uh, some people would probably say USC Colorado, but that was a game that USC took their foot off the gas is why that game got so close at the end. Uh, it wasn't a game that Colorado just came back and dominated USC. That game was over at halftime. And you know, so definitely Auburn and Georgia was the game of the week, uh, in, in my opinion as well. Or, or do you think the game of the week, some people out on the East Coast would argue that it was Notre Dame and Duke? Uh, I, if you're a Duke fan, which I don't know how many Duke football fans are actually out there, but if, if you, can't, you can't let a quarterback run for 17 yards on 4th and 16 to extend the game because that game's over with. The, the game is done, and and what, what's the quarterback's name? Uh, Sam, Sam Howe, something like that. He, he runs for... You're thinking of Washington's quarterback, Hartman, Sam Hartman. Oh, Sam Hartman, yeah. You got him confused with the commanders. Well, it, it, you know, strike that from the record. You know, I, I missed one. But <laughs> the point is, on 4th and 16, where's the defense? You, you tackle him there, the game's over. You, you beat Notre Dame, you rush the field, you get your fine. And yes, you, <laughs> the next the next play after that, you give up a run up the gut, and uh, which really ended up being a punch to the gut because Notre Dame finished the game on. But uh, yeah, yeah. That's a, another another great game. Uh, Duke, Duke gladly would have avoid, would have would have paid that fine, and believe me, they can afford it too. I'm sure they uh, can. <laughs> But I'll tell you how many Duke fans there are. You asked that question. 40,768, which was 764 more than the listed capacity. They they packed the house, and they, like you said, they had Notre Dame on the ropes there. Looking, we're we're going to send it to overtime. But, uh, but yeah, let him let that guy go through and um, let him score that late touchdown with, with 31 and seconds saw, to play. And they, saw, and they saw a great game, and, you know, and, you know, unfortunately uh, for for us, you know, Duke's not quite ready to look forward to basketball season. But you know, they have, know they have better things ahead. But uh, just just a there's just a lot of good football that's been played. Uh, I can it say really that is. a lot of really good football being played around the country right now. Yep. And elsewhere, we had Tennessee take care of South Carolina, forty-one to twenty. Alabama over Mississippi State, forty to seventeen. Washington. The, the Washington Huskies, who to me have been one of the more impressive-looking teams this year, they actually got tested in Arizona. They really only did. won by a touchdown, thirty-one to twenty-four. Uh, it was probably wasn't as close as it looked because Arizona scored a trash time touchdown with a minute left to play, but they certainly didn't run away with that game. So Washington uh, may not be the same team on the road that they are at home. Uh, Penn State. It's alarming to me to, to make a comment about that Alabama game because Alabama scored their first non-defensive touchdown of the year uh, against Mississippi State, and we know how prolific, prolific they've been in scoring non-defensive touchdowns since Saban's been there. And uh, it's, it's not it's not looking good for the for the conference right now that Alabama's really looking like they're starting to put things together. Yeah, just in time to play us. That's how it usually just goes. In time, just in time to play us. So Oregon waved goodbye to Stanford. Uh, 
in uh, in Palo Alto, forty-two to six, absolute crushing as they move I don't, on. To I don't the... think anybody in the country is playing better ball than than Bo Nix and that Oregon offense are right now. They're they're really clicking. They really are, and I think the Colorado game highlights that with how Oregon just embarrassed Colorado, and then. USC, you know, Colorado gave USC all they wanted. Forty, put yeah. forty-one points on them, and yeah, Oregon that just that game was thirty-four to seven at one time, though. So I mean, yeah. like I said, I think USC kind of got like the days ago when they're up by they're up by twenty-seven, and you know, give give Colorado credit, they they fought back, kicked it onside, kicked it in, the they just came up a touchdown short, and I don't I don't think I've ever seen a player uh, that was so poised to win a second Heisman Trophy as Caleb Williams is right now. Uh, I, I really didn't want to say that, but he's, I mean, he is by far the front runner for the Heisman, and, and it would be his second in a row. And he has six touchdown passes, so, you know, I mean, you can't can't get more, more Heisman hopeful than that. Definitely, he's definitely at the top of his game right now, and I, I just think there's, you know, I think Bo Nix is playing second fiddle. Uh, and several more are playing third and fourth fiddle to, to Caleb Williams right now. Yeah, it just goes to show how um, how good that Tulane team played at the Cotton Bowl last year when they, when they were able to beat them. Just one more feather in their hat. But uh, Oregon's not the only team playing good uh, playing good football in the state of Oregon, and that's the Oregon State Beavers who handled – the number 10, top 10 ranked Utah Utes who have beaten an SEC team and beat uh, a Big 12 team in Baylor on the road. Yep. Yep. And uh, they they got smothered 21-7 to by the Beavers. Yep. So uh, Didn't see that one coming. Yeah, Did not see that one coming. I don't look now, Jackson, but you know, in this in this uh, news cycle, we're basically where this is the R. There's this has been the RIP season for the Pac-12, which will no longer exist after the season. It looks like they picked their last year maybe to be their best year, because the rankings right now are chock full of West Coast teams. We have Washington at number seven, Oregon at number eight. And USC at number nine right now. Then we have Washington State at number 13. We got Oregon State at number 15. And only because they lost to another West Coast team for their first loss of the year has Utah dropped back to number 18. So the West, I'm counting six of the top 18 ranked teams in the country. And oh, by the way, don't forget about this California team called Fresno State which is undefeated and has now climbed into the rankings at 24. Well, is this the year for the West Coast, Jackson? Uh, I mean, it, it, it could very well be, but I, I, think that, I think that, you know, once they get into a playoff scenario, they're going to realize that, man, we're, we, were, we had a great season, we were good, but, but these guys over here are, are, just, are just a lot better. And, and unfortunately... Uh, I don't. I don't want to see a team. Uh, I wouldn't want to play Texas right now. And, and I've, I, there's not a lot of years that I would even say that that I would want those words to come out of my mouth. But <laughs> who wants to play Texas right now? There's yeah, that's true. Well, uh, what's amazing to me is I think, to, by, by my eye test, 
the most maybe the most impressive because again Georgia faltered. To me, the most impressive looking team in the country so far, and you called it, has been Penn State. Yes. And Penn State is not ranked in the top five. No. But so, you know, they but they have their you know they they have their they're getting the top five games. You know they they have Ohio State coming up. They have a big contest with Michigan coming up, and and that's going to put them in, in everybody else's conversation. But I, I've said it all along. I think Penn State's going to win the Big Ten, and uh, which would which would ultimately mean they're they're one of the four playoff participants. And uh, you know, and, and this could finally be the year that the Big Ten gets two in the playoff because the, the SEC, you know, regardless of what Ole Miss and other teams are doing right now, the SEC's down this year. So I mean, I really think Georgia, Georgia's the, only, the SEC's only hope of being in the playoff is the Georgia Bulldogs right now because it's just it's, that's just how I see it and uh, you know and, and I think that and I think that eventually they will be I think they'll be the one SEC team standing with two big tens and, and probably a Pac-12 uh, I don't I think the big 12 is going to take itself out of contention uh, when, when Texas gets into the, the meat of their schedule yeah and, and don't forget about um, don't forget about Missouri Packers too uh, I mean, I, absolutely. Uh, I, I did not think that that Missouri game at the end of the year against Arkansas could be so big. But I mean, it might actually give Arkansas a chance to play. Some. And yeah, yeah. I mean, isn't isn't that saying how that's going? That, that Arkansas is now seen as a spoiler team for for Missouri. I mean, let's anyway. Let's let's move on to uh, to this week's matchup, Jackson. So we've already talked about Arkansas, Ole Miss. Uh, but let's go to one of the big ones, always one of my favorites every year. Game that I have no rooting interest in, but I just have to watch it on my TV. That's Oklahoma against Texas. And especially with Texas playing the type of ball they are this year, you know, Texas is the team that usually chokes away a game in which it's close or with, where the teams are closely matched. It always seems like Oklahoma has their number, at least in, in my era, our era. Uh, Oklahoma's ranked 12th undefeated, and so is Texas. This looks like a classic Red River rivalry game. And you know, and that's one of those things that you know you want to see if you can get your friends to say three times fast the Red River rivalry. Yeah, I, I, I kind of slipped up on that. It's hard. Uh, <laughs> it, it, maybe if you were doing a drinking game with your buddies, say, hey, Red River rivalry, so you can say it, you know. And, uh, <laughs> but anyhow, uh, you know, I. This is this is a future, you know, SEC matchup, obviously, and uh, you know, and, and this is this is one I think that Oklahoma is going to want more than Texas, and Oklahoma gets to knock Texas out of the top five, and uh, you know, Quentin Ewers is trying to make his run for the Heisman Trophy, and there's a lot of motivating factors for Oklahoma in this game, and and uh, and I'm not going to ride with Oklahoma very often, but when they play Texas, there's a reason I have a T-shirt that says. I'm for two teams, Arkansas and whoever plays Texas. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm pulling, I'm pulling that shirt out, and I would wear it with pride this weekend because I'm rooting for the Oklahoma Sooners to knock off the Texas Longhorns, and uh, and, and maybe put themselves in the playoff contention because their well, defense is, is really good. Oklahoma I'll tell you this, I, I'm rooting for Oklahoma too. I think the whole SEC is because if Oklahoma doesn't beat Texas, I don't see who will. 
This is a game where basically, now if Oklahoma wins, they still have to play at Kansas, who was ranked, and surprisingly looked pretty good even getting blown out by Texas. They fought hard, even uh, though the scoreboard didn't reflect it. Then they got to play at Oklahoma State, always tough. Then they got to go on the road to BYU. Arkansas knows that's not a gimme game. And then they got to play TCU at home in the last game. So I see Oklahoma having a much tougher road than Texas, right. who basically gets the red carpet rolled out for them after this game. I mean, well, and, I, and I made a I made a comment to some sports guys the other day uh, that if if Texas or Oklahoma wants to win the college football championship they better do it before they go to the big boy league because it's fixing to get a lot tougher for them when they come to the SEC and play that gauntlet of the schedule that each one of them are going to have to play so and, and I think that you're right Oklahoma's road would be tougher and but but I think that Oklahoma puts herself in a conversation this weekend by, by beating the Texas Longhorn yeah um next game is going to be the battle of the Tigers speaking of Missouri Columbia, Missouri, they have LSU coming in in a game where I think LSU has struggled struggled in before. Uh, LSU's ranked 23rd. Missouri's ranked 21st. This is actually a game, believe it or not, LSU's favored. But according to the rankings, uh, it, there's a mismatch between whoever's voting in these polls and whoever is, is setting the lines in Vegas because they have LSU as six-point favorites. But Missouri's playing at home and they're higher ranked. Make sense of that for me, Jackson. Well, hearing those rankings, for one, it sounds like a college basketball rankings that Missouri would be ranked ahead of LSU. Uh, and and this is, this is for me, this is the game that, that the Missouri Tigers prove their worth. If they can knock off LSU in that high-powered offense because nobody's been able to stop that offense, they just come up a little short against Ole Miss. Nobody's really been able to stop them since Florida State. This is the game where Missouri opens everybody's eyes if they're able to beat LSU. The problem is, as much as I don't like pulling for LSU, I don't think that this is the game where Missouri does it. I, I would actually think that I would have to agree with them that, that LSU would go on the road and, uh, and pull this one out. Well, I, I'm I'm curious myself. I, I'll be honest, Jackson. I'm rooting for Missouri, and the reason I'm rooting for Missouri is because mathematically, if LSU gets beat, there's still a sliver of hope for the Arkansas Razorbacks to win the West. Mathematically. That, that now, is true. speaking of winning the West, the other team that's beat us so far in the West is the Texas A&M Aggies. They get a visit from Nick Saban and the Crimson Tide this weekend. Who you like in that game, Jackson? Well, I think there's a little, uh, I think there's a lot more uh, bad blood. Let's just say bad blood in this one than, than there probably would have been. But after A&M got that win last year, I think this is the one that Saban's had circled, uh, you know, since the offseason. That they're, you know, we're going, uh, we're going to their house and we're going to get the place forward to them this time. And I, we already know Alabama's, seems to be getting things figured out. So I think A&M might get some come open this, this weekend. And uh, I, I, I really – it's hard to pick against Alabama. So I'm going to say that Alabama goes on the road and wins. Yeah, and if they do, that gets that gives A&M another loss. And if Arkansas was to pull off a small miracle and beat Ole Miss, I think Arkansas is back 
in line where mathematically they're basically a win against Alabama from being right back there in the West if, of course, Alabama takes care of business against Texas A&M and if Missouri finds a way to beat LSU. Because Mississippi State's already taken some losses and Arkansas will have the tiebreaker over Ole Miss at that point. You know, the math is a lot better than where the heart is right now. But I'm just saying... Let's, like let's not kiss it goodbye just yet, but, but like hey, we're going to have to play some good football. Anyway, back, back to the optimism that I hear. Hey, I, I just, like you said, September's over. This is the first weekend of October. You know, my, my, my heart, I guess, is, is making me believe things that my eyes are, are denying. But uh, another big game here against two undefeated teams and might be a better game than some people think after what I saw last week. Kentucky, number 20 in the country, goes to Athens, Georgia to play the number one ranked Bulldogs. Both teams undefeated. One of them will not be. Which one, Jackson? Well, I believe it's Kentucky. And, you know, this this is the Home Field Advantage podcast, so I'm going to give a plug for Home Field Advantage. We know how tough it is to go over between those hedges and try to win a football game. Arkansas has done it. But it's not very. It is a very rare feat to do, and I think this is where Mark Stoops and, and his team suffer their first defeat at the hands of the Georgia Bulldogs. I have to agree with you on that one. Uh, unfortunately, uh, NC State uh, took a loss last week. Uh, was not able to pull it out. Once again, they they played on Friday night. And uh, they got a visit from Louisville Cardinal, and it was an ugly game in which NC State could not move the ball. So NC State has now benched their their quarterback, which I think is a good decision. That's a good decision. He was not moving it for us and uh, scoring. We lost 13 to 10. So we're going to have a new quarterback come out against the Marshall Herd playing at home. Who you got in that one, Jackson? Uh, The the Wolf wolf Pack bounced back, and they bounced back in a big way. Uh, You could probably put – probably put Wally Coyote out there at quarterback and he's going to figure out how to beat the Marshall Thunder and Hurt. I hope so. I, that's, I think that's a good way to get him started too. Meanwhile, Louisville has impressed some people and they're now ranked 25th in the country. They host just a little bit north of them. The Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Louisville undefeated. Notre Dame 5-1. and one, 6.30 on ABC on Saturday. Who comes out with a primetime victory in an ACC, well, and at least in basketball terms, an ACC showdown? I haven't given, I haven't had very good luck riding with the Irish. The luck of the Irish has not been with me this year, uh, and I, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm just gonna ride against them. I, I'm gonna say Louisville is gonna beat them. All right, you heard it right here. So, so place your bets, folks. Notre Dame six and a half point favorites. You get those points, and, and Jackson's telling you they're going to win straight up, so you should feel extra confident laying your bet on that one. Uh, somehow, uh, under, uh, under our nose, Jackson, sneaking up on us like uh, like ants sneak underneath the, the crevice underneath your, uh, your, your, your floorboards in your house when you're not looking. The North Carolina Tar Heels have become the 14, number 14 team in the country. They host Syracuse. At two thirty on ESPN, is it time for the Orange to and uh, who are four and one by the way, not a bad team themselves? They have an upset in them. 
I, I don't I don't believe they do. Uh, I think that uh, I think Mr. May I think he he's trying to put himself in that in that dark horse Heisman uh, Heisman talk. I mean they they're, they're folks that are really high on him in the NFL uh, about drafting him and all this. And, uh, I think he's on a mission right now. Even though you know we we hate that baby nasty color blue that they have and can't produce. I'm gonna have to ride with them. All right. Well, I guess I'll, I'll be dis- I'm disappointed to hear that, but I, I really can't argue with it. Out West, we have a lot of ranked teams playing unranked opponents in games they should win. So I'm just going to give you three of them right here, three of the biggest ones. Number 13, Washington State, goes to UCLA. Number 15, Oregon State, goes to Cal Berkeley. And number nine, USC, hosts Arizona. Is that chalk up and down the board, Jackson? I think I think that I would I would have to say that, that that's probably going to go the way it should in all three of those matchups. Yeah. All right. Well, that that settles that. Michigan also faces a beatable opponent as they travel to Minnesota, and Ohio State hosts undefeated and not to be I guess underestimated. Uh, now that they have, I think, Tua Tugavaloa's brother, the Maryland Terrapins, 5-0, and 11 o'clock on Fox, Saturday, early Saturday morning, in the big in the, uh, the horseshoe in Ohio State. So uh, Michigan and Ohio State, do we have any slip-ups between those two? I don't, I don't think either one of them will slip up, although I, I do think Maryland can probably keep it competitive for a half and, and maybe push that game into the fourth quarter with I don't see either team having a slip up though. All right, you heard it here, folks. So that's that's how we're looking for this coming yeah. weekend. We do don't, have don't several teams out there on a buy. <laughs> I believe Penn, Penn State is on a buy. I'm sorry, Penn State is not on a buy. They just uh, they play the University of Massachusetts at home. Uh, I don't think like we need. <laughs> Yeah, we don't need heavy-duty analysis to tell you how uh, no. one in five Massachusetts is going to fare in Penn State. Uh, it's not going to be pretty for them, but at least they'll they'll enjoy the ride, hopefully, uh, down there right. to the beautiful state of Pennsylvania. Yep. Um, and uh, I guess a, a little bit of action in the Big 12. We got Kansas State. Well, we got we got yeah Kansas State at Texas Tech. Kansas at Oklahoma State and Iowa State at Cincinnati. Man, they, they, they sound like good did, matchups. Did I, put, did I put too much? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I, think, I'm, I think I like all the home teams. And, and I, the, I, I missed. I, I accidentally looked at the wrong week, Jackson. So oh, forgive well, me for that. For I got you too that. excited. I got you yeah, too excited. You know, Iowa and, State is hosting TCU. Baylor is hosting Texas Tech. I like the Cyclones. And Can- uh, like Oklahoma, State. Oklahoma State is hosting Kansas State, 6.30 p.m. on I like ESPN. I like the Oklahoma State Cowboys, too. And, and let me okay. just give one more plug for Oklahoma. You don't you don't beat the Cyclones 50-20, to 20 and you're not a good football team. I'm just going to say that. You do not beat Iowa State 50-20, to 20 and, and that'd be a fluke. Yeah. So, yeah. I have to agree with that. Uh, you know, uh, Iowa State regularly brings you. Well, that pretty much wraps it up. And we, you know, we don't. I don't think we need to. Well, I do want to mention 
uh, just briefly how we were talking about those West Coast teams. One, one, of, the, one of the six West Coast teams that we that's in the top 18 that we didn't mention is probably the story of college football. And I mean, they're not West Coast, but they're a Western team. That's Colorado. They weren't in that six. So just just to make my point a little more, that this is the year of the West in college football. Yeah. This is yeah. the year of the West. But um, it's looking that way. Yeah, I don't think we didn't mention it, but uh, the uh, <clears throat> New Orleans Saints uh, got uh, handled at home uh, by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Action Jackson's favorite team. And uh, yeah, let's just say it wasn't a good football week for me, Jackson. Well, and, and you know, it, anything's subject to happen in the NFL. And if you remember, I actually picked the Saints to win that game. So I was once again absolutely wrong, and uh, I apologize to Bucks Nation for you know seeming like a sellout. But that's just not a place that we normally play good. And you know now the Buccaneers get them a well-deserved week off, and and you know they, they get to rest up from their their Saints war wounds, and they uh you know they get to kick back and watch some football this week and get ready for the rest of the season. And uh, you know, and, and unfortunately for New Orleans, I'll just say this, and I'll, I'll move on from it. They they got to find some offense. Their defense has been ready for years. Uh, they they got to find some offense. Yeah, yeah I, I, I agree with that, that too. Derek Carr has, has, has to improve his improve level, level of play. play. He's, He's got to get the ball to the receivers. receivers. Chris Olave was just a non-factor one, one catch. He's way, He's way too good for that. So I totally agree. Well, you know, and you know, it's always. You know, it's always uh, it's always such a, a reprieve from the work week and uh, get away and, and discuss a little sports and uh, put some good content out there for our growing fan base. And I would just say that uh, if you know somebody that's not listening to any good podcast or good sports reports, uh, tell your friends uh, to, to, to pick us up and check out the Home Field Advantage podcast because, you know, Big Mo's a big-time celebrity and he's worth a, he's worth a listen. And, uh, I'm just always uh, glad and, and, and considered an honor to sit down with him and, and, and chat about uh, the games that we love. Yep, yep. Same, Same here, Jackson. Same here. So, so I, think I think that does, that it, does for it for this, uh, this episode. episode. And we'll be and back, we'll be back, back next, next week after the Arkansas Ole Miss game and all the other college football matchups. First, first hand analysis, analysis and, and, and um, you know, we'll tell we'll you from the heart, from the heart like we always do. That's right, and go Hogs, go Wolfpack, go Saints, and go Bucks. I say amen to that. Amen. Amen.